Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the Promised Land live show reaction to Manchester three, Manchester City 3, Manchester United 1. We're talking all about Manchester United and their performance. This is the Promised Land, part of the Nightmen Podcast Network. I'm Scott, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever, as per usual. And uh, a weird one today, Rob. Mm. I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a wide variety of uh, emotions Steve Taylor says, did okay, could have been much worse. That's kind of how I feel about it. But mm. I'm seeing some thinking United were robbed. Others saying, what the hell was that? I can't believe we're accepting this. Yeah, United finished the game with Willie Camboala, Amari Forson on the pitch. Like, Honestly, what, what do you guys expect? Rob, how are you doing? Not bad. And I felt relatively good. I'll say the first half, you know, like, an amazing goal by Marcus, which we will talk about. You know, he couldn't have nailed that any better than he did. Um, and I think, Scott, in these kind of games, you know, everyone knows, I think I think on Twitter, we get called tacticos now. I think that's become a derogatory term. You know, I am not, ta- a, I, I'm going to say this, I am not a tactico. And I never, you're not to. the tactico and I'm the tactico. So please direct all your tactical abuse at Rob Blanchett, just go straight to me in my Twitter account. So Scott's not a tactico, but I think when you look at the game, and this is just how I always think, is that you've got to do what you've got to do to make sure you don't lose games and potentially you can win them. I've seen already a few comments there saying, you know, when you defend your own half like that, then what chance have you got of winning? Well, at one point you were 1-0 up, and most teams don't beat Man City. Most teams get absolutely slaughtered by the way Man City play the counter-press, just what it is. So I think today your only real option was to sit in and to see what you could do on the counter-attack. And it worked, obviously, very early on. And I think, Scott, especially in that first half, that was on all day long. I think if United could have done that better, clipped that ball in from the midfield or for the defence over the top, City were giving it away. City were like, yeah, you clip it over the top, it'll be Edison versus one of you in a straight race. So I kind of think, Scott, you know, I've been dying to see Eric Ten Hag kind of do something like this for a long time because he plays... 4-1-4-1 against absolutely everyone. Any team he plays every week, it's 4-1-4-1. 
And half the time we come away from those games going, well, United are tactically short today. So I actually think they got the tactics right today. I really do. I just think the execution just wasn't there. And let's be honest, that's the story of this Man United squad is they just don't quite have that sharpness when it comes to execution. Yeah, also, I think they were ground down. Obviously, Man City yeah. will do that to you. They're, they're, the way that they keep possession, especially pin you in on the edge of your own box, they do it to a lot of teams. I compared the way that Chelsea played at the Etihad a few weeks ago to yeah. Ollie Ball. Obviously, I think they were a little bit, they made a bit more of it in attack, but it's the same thing, exactly the same thing. And yeah. uh, obviously, they, they did get a draw. But uh, Kerwin says, and I think this is a, a great sum up for, of how I feel. Our players aren't good enough. We can't protect turn or pass on the ball. Yeah. Nick says, hard to win when you defend your final third the entire game. Completely mm -hmm. agree. Uh, Peter says, the right game plan with those players, but Man City's quality took the win in the end. The only thing I'm disappointed with is that after the 2-1 goal, there was nothing. Oh, yeah, I completely agree with that. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's nice to see, actually. There's no... Uh... <laughs> if, well, if, you, if you're coming here for viral hot takes... Wrong place. Um, but, you know, I, I do have some feelings we'll dig into. We'll talk about Marcus Rashford's performance. Obviously, he scored an amazing goal uh, out of nothing, really, and then didn't do much else. Uh, but we, he is a talking point anyway. Uh, there's a few players we'll point out and talk about. We'll talk about Eric Ten Hag's tactics as well. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube already as we record this live show, please do. If uh, you're coming back to this later on, subscribe on YouTube, The Promised Land, a Man United podcast. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well. Like the video, like the podcasts, uh, subscribe everywhere. We put this, leave a comment for us, five-star reviews, etc., etc. Hit the notification bell on so you never miss a show as well. And follow us on social media. The links or the, the ats are in the description of this video at double underscore Scott Saunders on X, Instagram, TikTok, at underscore up underscore BNX on YouTube and at TPL MUFC on X as well. Right. Where the 1 million streamed Promised Land. Yes. So that's yes. Well, we should say that at the top of every show now. We've had a million streams for the podcast, so thank you very much for all your support. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, drop your comments in. We'll, we'll dig into them uh, throughout the show. Joe D says, billion pound red bottle jobs. I mean, they didn't... Mm. Yeah, you, you can't really... Two billion pound thing. red bottle jobs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But everybody will sit there and agree that they spent the two billion absolutely terribly. So, yeah. you know, uh, you can't have it both ways. I don't think they bottled it today. I just think they... They didn't bottle it. Like, this no. was not a team of Liverpool's kids. Yeah. They this bottled was, it against Fulham. This was the best team in the world. So... Uh, oh, by, by a long way. I, I think that's the thing, Scott, here, is that you can resist the kind of irresistible... Ultimately, when you play Man City on their patch and they're chasing a double treble, you could get hurt in certain moments of the game. Joe says he's just messing. So there we go. Uh, Michael says, you know when they say you realise what you've what you've got when they're not there? Hoyland proves that every game he misses Massively. no physical presence without him. Right, and that, that is a nice uh, segue into the first goal, right? Mm. And I think I want to talk about Marcus Rashford's performance to start with, really, because you could see in the first few minutes when United hadn't, you know, emptied their tanks because they've been running around chasing the ball for 85, 90 minutes. Yeah. How many drinks has everyone had? I've not had any. Rob, have you had any? No, no I've got a coffee there. That's me. Coffee? At, 
No, decaf in it. Decaf. It's decaf. It's gone, it's come on, it's, it's decaf. But we're recording a podcast, so I've got to have some form of coffee here. Yeah. Right. Marcus Rashford. Right. The um, I think that might have been the best goal he's ever scored. I, was, I think that the Chelsea free kick was maybe the most satisfying in terms of uh, how it looked. But the PSG but, one as well. Remember that? He scored against PSG, didn't he? From yeah, this, yeah, true. But I think Chelsea one was of, good. The Chelsea one was good, but it was a free it's up kick. There, isn't it? Like, Top five. This, yeah, this this was an open play, obviously. Mm. So I think for me in a in a Manchester derby, obviously it didn't mean anything in the end. But Marcus Rashford, after five minutes, had everyone thinking, "That's what this means to me," and have that mm. great goal, great goal, great goal, and it came from. Bruno Fernandes finally kind of playing a false role up top. I have lost count of the amount of shows that I've done where I've begged to see Bruno Fernandes play a false role at the top end of the pitch because A, it keeps Bruno up the right end of the pitch and away from your defence. And B, I think he has those kind of false nine properties where he can help and join the dots and bring someone in. So I think Bruno did well with that run there. Obviously gets the ball, shields it, lays it off to Marcus. And do you know what Marcus Rashford's really good at, Scott? He's good at striking a football. That's really one of the things he's quite good at. You know, he's not very good at other stuff sometimes, but he's good at that one thing. So technically, a beautiful strike. You know, he clips the underside of the crossbar, kind of what you'd call in basketball being put on a poster, be on a poster on someone's bedroom wall there because it's such a beautiful moment. But I think the truth is with Marcus... Just being honest, and this is not to get at Marcus or to attack Marcus or upset Marcus or any of that. I think he did his job out of the press. I think he did well, like sitting in on that left hand side. He looked after Foden. But the truth is, his moment of I'm going to call it just going to call it a poor decision because I can't swear. But his poor moment to decide that he gets a little touch from Carl Walker to fall over. Absolutely killed United in that moment of transition. The ball ends up over Phil Foden. Phil Foden looks up and goes, I'm not marked anymore. It's the first time today. I'm going to go in on my left and I put it in the top corner. And that all comes from very small detail, making a choice. And I think overall in the game, Scott, I don't think Marcus played very well. wasn't surprised when he got pulled because I think when you looked at it, we were, what, 20 minutes, 25, well, 15 minutes to go. Um, Marcus's control on the deck wasn't very good, was it? It wasn't helping United push forward. But a great goal. But that's all. That's it. Like a great goal, and he, he could have gone off after eight minutes, <laughs> and that would have been his performance. And unfortunately, he really hurt United for that first goal. He really did because he didn't need to fall down, fall over. I think he was play acting. I really do. I know Eric claimed, and the captain came over and claimed, and they're trying to support Marcus in that moment. But I think if you give Man City an inch, Scott. They will take a yard. They absolutely will. And that's what happened in that moment. So Marcus didn't really help his football team overall when it came down to it. He's got a great goal, right? And yeah. obviously there's a lot of bluster around him after, you know, the, the piece that he did last week mm. and or earlier this week ahead of that game. And after a few minutes, you think that's how you respond. If you got to, if you're going to make statements, you back it up on the pitch. I think that's all, that's all everyone will ever really say. Definitely back it up on the pitch, like prove it on the pitch. And in that moment, it was an amazing strike. He really did. Yeah. Then you see, I don't know whether it was either side of that goal or after that goal, he was played in behind the city defense, miscontrolled it. Yes. When Carl Walker was on his back, I think it was Carl Walker. 
Yeah, there was did. also a cross in, which Scott McTominay left. He could have headed it, and maybe we, it was it wasn't the right angle for a header. And he kind of came through to Rashford, and he he miskicked it, miscontrolled it. Mm-hmm. And throughout the rest of the game, and I, I'm not I'm not having a having a go at him for that. I mean, these things happen, but like ultimately, the world's very best strikers probably make more of of those situations. Um, and then through the rest of the game, like. Sir Mickley says it here, right? Ten Hag did get his tactics right. Unfortunately, these players just couldn't execute. They're also scared yeah. to hold on to the ball or take any City players, take on any yeah. City players. Yeah. For me, I think Marcus Rashford is petrified of Carl Walker. I think he's petrified of playing against him because Marcus Rashford relies on his pace and Carl Walker has that. He can match pretty much anyone in world football for yeah. pace. He's strong as hell. You know, very, very hard to beat. You have to kind of be, do what Sterling did to him the other week. You have to be clever. And obviously mm. Sterling scored for Chelsea at the Etihad as well and kind, kind of tile Carl Walker up in knots. If Marcus Rashford is faced in a one-on-one with Carl Walker and he hasn't got that ability to run past him like he does have that advantage over other players, I think he's kind of out of ideas, really. So yeah. there was moments in, in the game today where I think, because he played on the left side for most of the time, mm. received it. I was just a bit too soft on it. Alan, Alan Shearer... In on BBC commentary in the FA Cup game in midweek, kind of really went off on one in in that game when Rashford lost the ball. I can't remember which defender he was up against, but yeah. it was more of that today. He was too soft, and mm. maybe that's not his game. But ultimately, if you want to, if you want to hit other levels, and if you want to help, and crucially, this if you want to help United get up the pitch, you need to be good at that because you need to. You need to have an out ball. You need to have somebody who can get there, control it, hold the ball up, or maybe take it past a player and play a smart pass mm. to get them up the pitch. The reason why United were so stuck, obviously they defended deep, but the reason why they were so stuck on the edge of their own box is because they didn't really have an option to play it out because every time it did go yeah. out, they lost it. And that is, unfortunately, the fault of the front players. Completely. And, and I think the thing is with Marcus on the day, like I actually think, Scott, again, for the, the vast majority of his work was fine because this was about looking after a position on the football pitch, United you know, playing that system and being able to sit in a little bit. I don't think there's any sin in playing a low block at Manchester City. Like, it's fine. Like, people, this is these tactics are not old or new or whatever. They've, they've been here forever. It's just that most teams don't do them as often against Man City. And guess what? That's why Man City thrash everyone. That's the truth. So I think we've, we've overall, I think Marcus did his job, but it's the other bits like you just mentioned there. And that's when you've got that opportunity to run, either flick the ball on and go in a straight line or keep possession or keep the ball or do something smart guess what that's where Man United falter isn't it in those moments where you would expect another team to do something different I think you saw it with Man City is that they were getting frustrated in the game especially at 1-0 down and I think if you'd managed to eat that out a little bit longer you would have had at some point a proper counter attack on them because City were just like oh well we're going to push up anyway it's what we do I think the thing is with Marcus Scott is that in this system, yeah, it doesn't really suit him to play a 4-3-3 in this style. But that's why the question has to lend itself in the future, as we're going to the summer, about whether you keep or sell this player. This is this is exactly why we have the conversation. I know Marcus talked a lot about a lot of things in his interview the other day. But I'm only really interested in football. That's it, yeah. And, you know, if you do something and you get caught in Belfast, then, yeah, I think you should answer to the manager for those things and to the club. But overall, this is a football thing. We're talking about football. So I think the work rate was all right today, Scott. 
technically he was very poor and he scored a great goal. And that's his that's his game in a nutshell. And that's why he gets pulled for Anthony and not Garnacho. So it's kind of as simple as that, really. So I think the thing is for Marcus is that if Eric Ten Hag is a manager next season, if Eric Ten Hag wants to develop having different systems, I get the feeling this is why we don't see 4-3-3 so often because he feels he has to play Rashford, so he just plays 4-1-4-1 and sticks with it. But I think today you saw, didn't you, that Bruno and Scotty did that job quite well through the middle. So there is some kind of scope there to do different things. And I think one of Ten Hag's big problems this season has been he hasn't done enough of that. He hasn't changed things in moments when he could have done. So I was really pleased to see the system today. And I was really pleased with at half time with the performance. I thought, yeah, okay, you're sitting in a little bit. But there was literally there's no problem playing a low block against Man City. If you play out, Scott, and lose the ball, and then you're 3-0 down at half time, what's the bother? Why turn up? No point, is there? You've sometimes got to counterpunch these teams that are just so heavenly, heavenly on the actual football. Yeah, um, Jeff says, I'm not sure what to make of today. I'm, I know we're not at City's level, but can't we at least dominate 10% of a game in, against them with international players? I don't no. know. No, you can't. You, I said on our last show, we would get 20% possession today. I don't know what it was in the end, but... you know. Let Scott me look it up. Have a look. You. Scott can have a look at the thing, but I said on our last show, City would probably have 80% of the ball. And with our 20%, you're going to have to be really tight and you're going to have to hit on the counter-attack. And that's it. And if you do 74 that well... 74 to 26, according there to... There we go. So it wasn't too far away, was it? So, and that is, I think, reflective of how bad Man United are technically, how good City are technically, and where you stand in terms of confidence. So do you know what? In years gone by, I look at the Solskjaer, used to beat Pep Guardiola with those kind of possession stats, <laughs> you know, 25%. And, and and Ole got results. Now, I'm not saying Ole's better than Ten Hag. And I actually think that Ten Hag today worked it out in a way that I'm impressed with. I'm happy that he did what he did. But you know what, Scott? I want to see more of it. I want to see when you play possession teams, you can sit in because you've got <clears throat> blistering pace and you've got this guy, Bruno Fernandes, who could be the perfect false nine in those positions. So please do a little bit more of it because the problem is he does never does it, ever. You know, I wanted to see it in pre-season when we were out on tour with the, with the boys and he didn't do it once. And I was like, oh, I wish he would just do it once or twice. Today, I think it showed that against a team as good as Man City, you can nullify a lot of their stuff because that ball over the top, that little clip, that's on. But you've got to be positioned to do it. Do you know what I mean? You've also got to take your opportunities when they come as well. And don't think United mm. really... They didn't sustain enough. And no, look, I, this is not an excuse, but they're missing some important players. They're relying on youth players. Like At least that bench today was awful. You can Everyone will sit there and question the transfer policy. Yeah, fair enough. That's a criticism, but that's that's a wider criticism of the the football club. You know, they've, that's not been aligned in eleven years. You know, that's yeah. that's that's not been aligned. So when you see the results like this and performances like this, no point losing yeah. your mind about it because what what are you actually learning? What's different? What's new? Like, no. I I the only thing I learned today, Rob, was that hey, actually, United can defend compact. And I think Bruno's just said that in his in his interview as well. He's uh, been speaking to Sky Sports. He said, "Yeah, well, I think we defended quite well." And I, th- I think they did I agree. for a large part of the game. For a large part of the game, I think towards the end, I think they they lost their energy a bit. City got their tails up. Obviously, when it went two one, I think they felt a bit beaten. The third goal was awful. Uh, yeah. Amrabat Casemiro 
well, Christopher Walking says, uh, well, what were your thoughts on the subs 10 Hogman? We'll talk about that maybe later in the show, I think. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, Rob, what, what did you, anything you want to say on anything you learned today? Did you learn anything? What, what was your take on it? I'll be honest, most weeks at Manchester United, and you know, I've been a fan for a very long time and uh, I've been covering this football team for a very long time, is I don't really learn much. I really don't. What I'm looking for is like tweaks. You know, I'm analysing stuff and I'm looking for little tweaks. And today we saw some very significant tweaks of what they were doing. Um, one of the comments up there, I don't know if you can flash it up, Scott, but it says that more tactical flex is needed from Eric Ten Hag if he is to save his job. Building on a solid defence has got to be the place to start with this squad. Now, today, this was Manchester United's 21st different back four in the last 27. Now, the, the manager can't do anything about that. That's because of injuries, yeah? And you see, he brings Maguire back in, Maguire goes out again. So I agree with that comment because I think this season, if you'd had your stable back four, so you'd have had Varane maybe with... Um, with Martinez or you've had Martinez we'll say Harry Maguire that that would have helped Andre and Arna so much and then rather than this kind of 21 changes in 27 you might have had three changes in 27 now that probably would be the difference Scott between having a goal difference of zero and having a goal difference of maybe plus 10 maybe do you know what I mean so I agree with that comment there and see there's another one there about XG Sorry, yeah. Do you want to bring that one? I, I, I just wanted to read it out. Go on. Yeah, Cotton twenty three says zero point two seven xg, one shot on target, and you guys are sort of defending the performance. I'm not defending the performance. I'm yeah. saying, and what Rob is saying, I don't want to speak for you. I'm saying, if United come out and played like they did against Fulham, they just they just shipped eight goals. Totally. The only way that most teams can get anything against Manchester City is by playing like that, and maybe mm. being a bit more adventurous, but they have to make sure that they're compact and they don't give away easy chances. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not defending the performance and saying, you know, that that's the, the football we, we aspire to play. Although I will say I would like whoever the United manager is to be able to put in a performance like that and set a plan like that because Alex Ferguson used to do it and people maybe forget that or they weren't old enough to see that. Yeah. And totally. I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to like, you know, come at you, but like this the elitism right of tact of tactics and modern foot pep guardiola has taken football to levels so high that everybody seems to think that ev- that is the standard like mm. but roberto deservi this season who plays amazing football has been linked with the man united job just got smashed 3-0 by fulham yesterday because mm-hmm. he has an identity and a style yeah i know united lost to fulham last week but if they'd have lost like that yesterday you know yeah th- it's not for me it's 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 not defending the performance. I'm just saying, what did you expect, really? Yeah. What did you expect? Exactly. And there's there's lots of people here putting things in about XG and stuff like that. One of the comments says saying Chelsea played better last week, and they did. I think Chelsea. Chelsea did. are also awful. Like, Chelsea are also awful. Chelsea but... came to Old Trafford and got absolutely smashed. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think when you look at the game today. Had you had Hoyland at the very top end, like Hoyland is the you know the quickest player at Manchester United, he's the quickest player in a straight line, you would have exploited that, definitely. That that ball would have been on all day long, over the top, one-on-one with their defenders against John Stone, against Nathan Ake. And I think Nathan Ake really struggled at times earlier on in the football match. So the thing is, it's not about defending the, the, the result or the performance. It's about doing what's right. 
Yeah. And we said it again in our last show. You talked about Inter Milan and Jose Mourinho. And I've always said there are times to park the bus and there are times not to park the bus. And do you know what, Scott? When Fulham turn up, yeah, you shouldn't really be thinking about parking the bus or playing defensively. You should be thinking about playing your your, your best version of your attacking style of football. But guess what? You lost that game of football because you're wild. So the thing is with Man United is this is the continual problem, not just during the Eric Ten Hag period, but probably for the last 10 years, is that on your best day, you can beat anyone. But also the problem is, is that you're so indisciplined overall as a squad, is that you lose a lot of games that you shouldn't lose. So I thought today with Man United at 1-0, if you could have eked that out a little bit longer and not made that mistake where you let Foden free you might get something a little bit more like, had we been sat here now, Scott, and saying the result was one all, would we be have people in our comments here now saying, oh, the, you can't defend that performance? Because one all would have been really good. You would have taken one all before the game. I actually think United will come away and think, well, you know, we did do the work today. We just were short. And that's, a, that's something that you can level at the squad, I think, absolutely every single week, is that they're just not technically a good enough football team. And that's something that Ineos have to look at today. Ineos will be looking at this result and they'll be going, you're here, but really we want you to be up here a little bit more. And, and that's why we need to purchase players to be able to be more competent on the football because you're not. So there's no point trying to do that with Man City. Like, let's outpass Man City. No, don't do that. You will lose the game of football. And that's as simple as that. Well, you Rob, did that lose was, anyway. That was evidence. That was evidence, Rob, in the third goal. Yeah. They tried to they tried to pass it out of the back and Casemiro balloons it up in the air. Amrabat yep. can't control and gets dispossessed. And they went went back Did to you want to play like that all game? <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you know? they're losing the game 2-1 and then they go back to what they do like just naturally. That that's a training ground thing. Amrabat gets the ball and Amrabat just because he's come on as a sub goes, right, I'm gonna play I'm run out and play out with the ball. And that's all right most weeks. But when you're at Man City, they will nick it off you because they're one of the best counter pressing teams in the world. And then you're dead because the ball goes to Haaland and it goes in the net. So it doesn't matter who you've got in goal. It doesn't really matter. So these things all matter and all these details matter. And this is what United will need to work on now between now and next season is because I would say this, Scott, and this is a criticism of Eric Ten Hag. After two years, I would have liked to have seen some of this more ironed out, even with these players, because they're basics. And I think today you did the basics really well, but only to an extent. And then you kind of shot yourself in the foot. And that was the end of the football match. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, Ten Hag came in with a game plan. I think some players executed it well. I know Cotton's still in the comments. Uh, yeah. I think they defended well for a large part of the game. I I, re I really do. And I thought Rafa Varane in particular was really good. Yeah, I thought Anana was quite good. Yeah. Um, But they got worn down. They got worn mm. down. And unfortunately, not many teams in the world can stop Man City creating as many chances as, as they created. Obviously, you need to give a little bit more in... in in the opposition half, but we've already explained why yeah. United didn't really get that much ball up front. It's because they don't really have any players. Marcus Rashford in particular is the one I took it. I took, I was talking about there, but Garnacho as well, not really able to deal with the swarm of a press around him. He can't really mm. pick that correct pass. He's 19 years old. Mm. You know, what, what yeah. are we expecting? <laughs> and Ole's version of United were much better at the, the proper counter-attacks. And when there was space in behind, that team in a 4-2-3-1 was built to be able to just exploit space in behind. And when you think about Man United now, they play more of a counter-pressing style. So they try and shift up as a unit. They didn't do that today, obviously. But that's 
that's kind of what Ten Hag wants to do in terms of the methodology. And that's the difference is that, again, today I thought the space was in behind. They didn't recognise it two or three or four times when the ball was easily there to be clipped into a channel. And then Garnaccio would have had a straight line run. And it didn't happen enough. Happened for Who Rashford was that? I think I remember, this, this, that, I remember that incident. Who was and it? There was one and with Anthony towards the end there where Anthony that's gets right, the ball on the right yeah, wing. Was, yeah. And really, the ball is so easy. It's super easy. It doesn't even have to do anything. He just has to slide it forward into the centre forward position and there's runners and he kind of checked. And the reason why he checked Scott is because that's what United do normally in games. United would check there to try and retain possession or to maybe overload on the right-hand side. So annoying, but I think also is that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and all of these things. You can still see there are so many fragmented issues in the squad that, you were never going to get over in one game today. You weren't going to turn up at Man City and it was all going to be perfect. You know, the problem is, is that all the games you've lost this season, and I think we counted 16 now, I think in all competitions. There's 11 in the league now. So this is 17 now. I think this is number 17 in all competitions, including Europe and obviously the cup competitions. Um, you lost 17 games this year and there are reasons. There are real reasons for it, partly injuries, but I think it's also the development of the squad isn't quite there at the moment. You look at some of these guys, Scott, like you, you can't see a lot of them surviving, being honest. Like I'm trying to be calm and level-headed here. But if you want to go on to the next level, you're really going to have to buy some players going into the into the new season next year. And, and if you've got a new manager, I don't think any other manager does this better with this lot. Do you get what I'm saying? Is that mm. I don't think Graham Potter walks in tomorrow and goes, yeah, I can just, I can just magic all this up. But the truth is, Scott, whoever is the manager next year is going to have to do better with, with a lot of these plays. You can't sell all of them. And I do think some of them can be developed further than they have been. Easy Ollie says, you United fans' standards have dropped terribly. Jeez, if you think that was acceptable today, then you do you. You were embarrassing. Your players can't pass to each other because they're poorly coached. I mean, I'm not accept like If you want me to think that this team's going to win the league... Because that's what United should be doing. They should be competing yeah. for the league. You will call me deluded. You really will, because it's not good enough. Is that and is that a non-United fan who's written that? I think I, th I do think so. Right. Yeah. So, so I want to address that person because do you know what? Yeah, our standards have dropped. I'm telling you this. Right for ten years, our team has been trash. Yeah, as much as we've wanted it to work, and we've had some great players come to the football club, your Di Maria's and your Ibrahimovic's and your Schweinsteigers and all of this, none of it has worked. And I think we said on our show a couple of weeks ago that something like 90% of our signings have failed in a 10-year period. So, yeah, our levels are like here. But it's not 10 years ago. It's not. Do you remember when we beat City there with Robin Van Persie's free kick? Yeah, and that went in. That was a different universe. Like, we could expect a different performance then now. If you expect something more from this Man United squad at Man City, the best team on the planet, no. You have to find a game plan. And the game plan is to try and at least get something. Get a point. If you get a win, that's miraculous. Like, how many teams win at the Etihad? But United could have got a point today, Scott. I think they had the game plan to actually get the point. It's just that they ran out of gas. And you said the one person there asked about substitutions is that, what can you do? Like, I think Jurgen Klopp said this about his team playing these youngsters that he's been playing. He's like, you've still got to play players because people are knackered. Like, you have to, you know, Rashford's blowing. You're going to bring him off, aren't you? There's no point leaving him on because then he'll be out of position and then someone will score. So I don't really think the manager could have done a lot more with the substitutions today. I don't know. What do you think, Scott? Ha. Yeah, I mean, 
I saw criticism of him when he took Kobe Mainu off. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, maybe, but the kid's 18. Like, you know, you have to look at the, the options available to him today. I, mm. I'm not going to sit there and say that, you know, Ten Hag did everything right today. I think they were, I think with what he had, he did the best that he could really have done. And I think there were some players on the pitch that maybe didn't execute the plan properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, last week's game against Fulham was the game to take aim. You know, Definitely. not not this one. Not this one. Like, this yeah. is... I thought United would ship five or six today. I actually did. And I felt the same at yeah. Anfield as well. And I think most people did. So... I thought we'd get to hurt be, today. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I really did. And I wasn't looking forward honest, to the show. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, standards have have actually dropped. The long-term standards are obviously always for United to be competing for titles, but United yeah. haven't competed for a title in 10, 11 years. So yeah. you have to be realistic with where the team is. And that's why a lot of United fans have been campaigning to get somebody in at the top of the club who's going to install people who know what the hell they're doing above it. Like, yeah. And that's going to take two, three years, possibly longer. Yeah. Pro- probably Nashville. longer. Dan Ashworth being in the job for 10 minutes in the, and we talk about now in the future weeks and months, it's not going to change anything immediately, but at least you've now got something you can plan towards. You know, you can have a goal and then do you know what's got your standards can creep up a little bit more. You can say, well, do you know what this year we came, whatever we ended up with, like where we come in the league this season. And you could say, but that's not a fair reflection of our ambitions for next year. Next year, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. We're going to buy 200 million of players, but we're also going to sell 100. You know, we're going to balance the books and we're going to do it like a proper football project. And I think United are treading water, Scott. Like I see that in this squad is that you, you have placeholders in certain positions and like, I think you've got kids playing too many minutes. So I think Garnacho and Manu are, are the two I would highlight. I think they need a rest, but you haven't really got a choice because, like, I think Cobby got pulled today because, to me, he did look like he was overrunning that midfield. It was once or twice where, you know, normally in games where he just looks like a Rolls Royce. He's so smooth, isn't he, on the ball? And he was getting rushed because Bernardo Silva was like, nah. There was I'm, a few I'm moments on. today where I think the City press maybe thought, maybe thought, oh, God, this is a little bit different. Yeah, I think you know? he was like... Oh, even I'm in not... the first five minutes, I think I think there was a moment in the first five minutes we got pressed on the touchline just outside the box. He was like, I've not seen this His before. This, this yeah. feels fresh. Oh, no. And and he did okay. Like He didn't really frivolously, again, give the ball away, but it was harder work for him. So I'm not surprised that the manager pulled him. And I think also with the sports science reports is that there's no doubt these younger kids will be... They'll be looking at them and saying, right, we don't want to burn them out. We've got still got seasons to play here. We've got 15-odd games. And we're still in an FA Cup and we've got Liverpool coming and we still want to kind of end top five if we can, if that gets you in the Champions League. You've got to still manage people sympathetically. When you lose a Haaland, uh, sorry, when you lose a Hoyland, I keep saying Haaland because we've seen him today, but when you lose a Hoyland, you see how profoundly that's affected Man United frontline. It's real profound. You can't really do the stuff that was working two, three, four, five weeks ago. So you change those things, but you still got to find method. You still got to find a way to actually still win games and, and control games. And that's what I think this team is so bad at, Scott, overall, is just in-game management. And I think today your in-game management was better. Like, I'm not trying to defend poor performances or losing 3-1 at Man City. But you were better today at game management than you were against Fulham. The other day with Fulham, it was wild. I was there watching it. And I'm like, 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 like 
like school kids running around. They don't have control of the game. Today, I thought you sat in, you did the work, but you just played such a far superior football team and you lost the game because of that. I do want to talk about Eriton Hag in general yeah. shortly, but I, I did want to talk about Onana, actually. Um, because I thought he was quite good today. Pretty cool head I, today, I thought. Yeah, yeah, quite good. Uh, his distribution was quite good. His yep. One of his kicks led to the goal. Uh, made some pretty good saves. I mean, there was a Rodri kind of skimmed effort, which he palmed away. Hmm. What do you think of the second goal? He, uh, the the second city goal, I think it was the, was it the Foden one where he, he ran off Casemiro? Yeah, it was the second goal one there where he, he got he had a hand to it, maybe got down a bit too late. I think because of his overall performance being relatively good, then for this time I'll let him have it, but not a strong wrist. If he has a strong wrist, it doesn't go in. Does doesn't he gets the fingertips and it goes wide. Um, but I'm not going to criticize him for today, Scott, because he wasn't really a problem. And we've seen so many games this year where he has been a problem. Again, let's do some tactical bits. You know, he's faced the the worst XG in the league this year for expected goals from opponents right near the bottom, United or a relegation team or close to it when you when you go through all of those metrics. And he's then had such a high percentage save rate off the back of that. And yeah, some of those are at him, you know, he saves it right in front of him or whatever. But you still got to save it, haven't you? And I actually think two or three times today, Scott, I was really pleased how he saved the ball with his legs. I've been saying that again for weeks. Do a little bit of De Gea. Yeah, sometimes if it's right in front of you, kick it away. You don't have to smother the ball. Kick it away and you're fine. I actually think that was one of David De Gea's massive strengths is that he always kind of knew when to go down and when not, generally, in general. Um, I think the thing is for... Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Andre Nana, maybe his Man United career will be cut short at some point. You know, we don't know if the manager's gone next year or not. I think with Andre Nana, it's probably fair on him to have a decent regular back four in front of him. Like I said, 21 changes in 27. I don't think helps a goalkeeper be settled, especially a new one. So I think he did all right today, Scott. Distribution was fine. I think towards the end of the game, he made one or two silly passes. But overall... You know, like I don't think he was worse than Edison today. Do you know what I mean? Do you know we haven't mentioned that Edison slide through Garnacho. I was I was actually going to come to this because there was two incidents. Obviously, yeah. I think we talked about the foul before, or the the foul on Rashford before. The Rashford foul. Yeah, uh, the Foden goal, which mm-hmm. Rob and I both agree was not a foul. I think it was maybe it's sometimes off. you get him. Sometimes you might get him, but yeah. for me, Marcus Rashford has to be stronger. He grabbed his shirt, then I'd say foul, but he didn't. It was just hand on shoulder. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a coming. It, it's a it's a coming together. That that's yeah. what happens. But the the Edison clear out of Garnacho. Hmm. Your your thoughts on that? Because I thought like I thought it was fine. Again, I've got no complaints today for decisions or anything like that. And maybe some people do. Maybe you do. But for me, yeah. that was it was a clean tackle. Maybe the argument is that if it's another area of the pitch. You know, it's a little bit excessive force, but like, I don't think you should be taking those tackles out of football. It was clean. It was a clean tackle. Got the ball. I get that. And I think when you said the rule book, you just answered kind of my, my point I'm about to make is that if you slide through a play like that, at that force with that, say in the middle of the pitch, say in the center circle, do you know what? It's, it's a foul and a yellow card. So I, I think the irony of this is, is that goalkeepers get given this kind of carte blanche to challenge forwards and there's no real problem with that but the, the the only thing you have to answer in that moment is not whether do we want tackles or not we have to say is that goalkeeper in control of his faculties as he goes for the ball and the absolute truth is the answer is no he gets the ball of course he does he gets there first but he wipes the player out massively why is it only goalkeepers can do that because a fullback can't do that a central midfielder can't do that a center forward's not allowed to do that so there's nothing in the rule book that actually says goalkeepers are allowed to do that and no one else is so i think the thing is if that if that had been given what we're seeing now with var is that var is not going to give those because the re- the referee is going to say we want contact we you know it's a it's a 50-50 Truth is, it's that if he catches Garnacha wrong, that's a broken ankle. That's the reason Baby. why you have that that rule. You have that rule about sliding through an excessive force. And I think it was borderline. Like I, I don't think it was the worst thing I've ever seen a goalkeeper do. I remember Schumacher all those years ago jumping up and sticking his knee in someone's chest and jaw and breaking their neck. It's happened before, but I I do think there was excessive force. And I think then you have to look at it slightly differently. And and goalkeepers, I think, are massively protected, Scott, in those moments. Like I, I'm not a fan of that. I think goalkeepers get away with murder. Just had to ban someone from the comment section. Do my oh, own. What they're saying, uh, Scott? Uh, just he, he had a timeout and then he came back and then uh, yeah. About he's struggling. Was he struggling? I don't know. 
It doesn't seem like a United fan. Anyway, th- this is a United podcast, and uh, you should sc- subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. The Promise Land, a Manchester United podcast, run Spotify and Apple on audio. This audio show will be uploaded after this YouTube live this, show. Yeah, let's have some comments. What comments? Let's have some comments. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of comments coming in, and maybe we'll get to them in the second. We'll also talk about Ayrton Hag. Mm. Uh, get them in. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment for us. Hit the notification bell. Follow us on social. The social media channels for Rob and I are in the description of the show at double underscore Scott Saunders and at underscore Rob underscore B. Right. Moving on. Let's see. I wanted to talk about this one. Not rag saying get a proper DM that can screen and defenders with pace that can push up. And we might see the best of Onana next year. I think you're right. That's I think you're right. United United's profiling. Everybody will sit there and say Casemiro was a panic signing and he was a panic signing. They, lo- they just lost at Brentford. They lost at Brighton, and they thought, "Oh God, we need somebody." It's the and ultimate panic signing. <laughs> the the panic button is pressed. You give Casemiro a hell of a lot of money and put him in a league where the intensity is higher than it's ever been before in a player that's just turning thirty. Yeah, and yeah, he was. He's been good for a while. I th- I thought he was actually okay today, to be honest. But that was because United condensed the space around him. But yeah. ultimately, if you look into play the type of football that every single person expects United to play like they expect it to be, you know, like Liverpool and City because they spent mm. loads of money. He's not, probably not the right player to do that with. No, I would say, well, I think when you look at the Foden second goal, and this is the only criticism I have of both Casemiro and Varane today, I thought they played okay. I think they did their jobs. They were, they were good within the position. Is that you see that that space, when a player is in that channel, doesn't condense quick enough. So you've got a defensive midfielder that's not quick enough. You've got a central centre-back that's not quick enough. They cannot kind of address quick enough. And guess what? You get a clean shot and you score. Uh, if you have a centre-back that can actually do that and go to that, probably Foden doesn't get that shot off, doesn't or not cleanly anyway. You know, there's someone there. Um, Casemiro, like, what are you going to do? You've got him, you've got to use him, yeah? And it does mean that in games, if you play 4-1-4-1, Scott, which is what this manager wants to do every single week, you are going to get hurt at times. So I would implore Eric Ten Hag, don't play 4-1-4-1 every week. You know, use it when you can. Like you said, I thought Casemiro did well because he had bodies around him and that helped him play his game. Think about Real Madrid, Scott, when he was at Real Madrid. He he never was left on an island at Real Madrid. He was always the kind of water carrier. One ball, five yards, five yards, five yards, that five yards. That midfield three, as good as it was, was so tight. Yeah. You know? They didn't Short distances to pass the ball away. And they were all really good at keeping the ball. Yeah. And we know Cobby's good at that, but we all know that Bruno's not. And I think this is the problem, is that you've got Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen doesn't look like he'll ever play for Man United again, but he's probably still your technically your best midfielder. And you've got Scott McTominay, which I think you saw today once or twice. He had the ball at his feet, and he looks like, again, like a wild giraffe running through the Serengeti with the ball at his feet, and he just he's just a little bit all over the place and clunky, and you lose the ball. So... There's no doubt that comment is spot on. Is that I think if you get yourself a proper defensive midfielder and, and, and in truth, probably two centre backs, then Andre and Arna might have options to pass out from the back. And we might be saying in a year's time, this goalkeeper settled now. You know, he saves the mm. ball with his feet now and then, but making better decisions. And he's actually a proper sweeper keeper. So the benefits might still come for Anana. Kingy says, interesting that Pep acknowledged United's injury crisis in his post-match analysis. Mm. We've not actually seen it. We started recording before yeah. either of the managers started speaking. So Eric not being given fair credit for the scale of their injuries. Mm. Unfortunately, no, <laughs> I agree with you, Kingy. 
Um, but unfortunately, we live in a world where that doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Because, you know, United have spent a billion quid. I, in some people's eyes, they think that he should be able to play the style of football that he wants to play that City and Liverpool are playing because United have spent loads of money erroneously in a lot of cases. And instead, he's, he's able to do it with, you know, the the players that he had to use today. Like, mm. I'm, Johnny Evans at 36, man. Like, hey, he was good. I thought he was quite good today. Maybe the uh, a couple of passes were a little bit erratic and he lost the ball mm. cheaply a couple of times. But in general, in terms of how he defended, like, you know, I, th- I thought he did quite well. But they're still using Johnny Evans. They used Victor Lindelof at left back. Mm. They've got a midfield, yeah, fine. But they've only got one striker in their entire squad and he's injured. And we just talked about how United can't hold the ball up. So, yeah, I, th- I think the injuries really impact it. I think Lisandro Martinez, as we said on previous podcasts, is the only football player at centre-back in that team that can pass the ball out from centre-back and progress the ball properly. Mm. So a lot of what Eric Ten Hag has been trying to do this season has been hampered by injuries. The causes of those injuries, who knows? But United have been getting injuries for a long time and they need to look at that. But, you know they're not the only club to suffer a lot of injuries. There's a lot of football being played this season and it just seems like it never ends. But I feel some sympathy for him in that, in that sense, but of course the arguments there as well, he's got to be doing better with what he's got. So, you know, I think it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Look, I I have complete sympathies with the injuries. You you can't not have sympathy. I think that the bit that I would throw back at Eric is that you need to have different systems to protect. You have to, if you just want to do four, one, four, one every week, because that's what you would optimally do with your best team. Then I guess what, if you haven't got your best team and you've got your scratch team out there, you might lose football matches. It's not rocket science. And I think the things of Eric Today, he's shown that he's got other systems. He can do other stuff. I would have really liked Scott to see United have done this several times this season, playing a 4-3-3 with Bruno in a much more of a free role at the top end to kind of do a press and to play a false role. And I think United could have actually staged this in pre-season. I mean, it could have done it in pre-season, had this system up their arm. And then when you play better teams, you're not then getting thrashed because let's be honest, United have played these top 10 teams now over a whole year, isn't it? And they've been pretty much beaten every every game, every match you've lost, kind of tells you you've got to change something. You can't just do what you really want to do if you haven't got the right players. So just change it and and don't feel, that you mentioned Guardiola and we've, not, we've talked about tactical snobbery, don't feel that pressure. Your job is to make sure you don't lose games firstly and then your second job is to go and win them. But if you lose games because you just want to carry on doing the same thing, I'm not down with that even. I think that's where I think that's where Eric has failed in the last six months is that he's not found systems to kind of suit what he actually has, which being honest, it's not a lot. He hasn't got a lot of talent at his disposal compared to when you've got everyone fit. Today, you know, you haven't got Hoyland, you're going to have to have a system without a number nine. So what do you do? You play a false nine. It, guess what? It worked to an extent. So do that more. And I'd like to see Eric Ten Hag kind of push that envelope a little bit further if he stays on at Manchester United. We'll do a proper section on Ten Hag just shortly. Nick mm. says, does anyone know when Mount will be back or any of the others? Wan-Bissaka. I think Wan-Bissaka was a couple of weeks, maybe after the international break. Mason Mount's yeah, just training. posted a picture on Instagram of him training or back running yeah. uh, the other day. Well, Mason Mount's been one of the disasters of the season. Like, he really has. He's he's given nothing because he's been injured. And he's had the same season he had last year at Chelsea, Scott. And that is that he was injured and didn't feature. And that's why Chelsea went, 
off you go. I definitely advocated Mason Mount as a player when he came to United, but you spend 60 million on him. Now, being honest, that could be three players. You could have got three really good players, young players that you brought in your team across the pitch, and they might have all had significant minutes this year. So uh, it's a wait and see with Mason Mount, but I don't feel good about it. I think these, these repeated injuries that he keeps having is a, is a worry. wan should be back within the next week or two. And I think he'll, he will definitely get minutes. I think when you look at today, Kamwala coming on playing at fullback. What did you think of Victor Lindelof at left-back today, Scott? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so painful. What a question, to, Rob. <laughs> so painful for me to watch that. But there was one moment where I think he was tracking, was it Foden? Yeah. Uh, after a, a ball over the top. And I thought, oh, he's not as slow as Amrabat is. <laughs> uh, but uh, any any blame on Lindelof for Foden's first goal because obviously he kind of lets him get the shot away it's a great strike to be fair no because what well, you need a left back and if you decide like, I, I did think that he might have gone with Amrabat a left back today but the point was that because you're not inverting you're then looking for a defender at left back so that's why he went with Lindelof so he didn't you know obviously wasn't inverting inwards you're trying to stop that channel from Foden exposing it and let's be honest Phil Foden probably in the best moment of his career now in the last six to 12 months just he's so hot he's scoring goals he's, he's expected his goals are just through the roof. I think there in a the moment, you did see once or twice where the ball came to him, where they United were working it down the left and he just kind of swung his boot at it to kind of swing the ball into the middle of the pitch. And you were like, don't do that. Mm. <laughs> just stop them. Just put your foot on the ball and either give it back to Inanna or just make a short, simple pass. So it I happened think that's a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, his pace is a problem, but I also think his decision making overall, he makes those kind of weird decisions in in games. I come away so often kind of criticizing him for those things. He kind of did that today, but I don't think he cost Man United with any of his performances. But I would not be having him at left back. I would prefer Amrabat at left back if we're going forward like that. I know Amrabat had a bad moment at the end of the game, but I think he can invert on the left hand side, and he showed in the last football match that that he can help you do that and do it successfully. Uh, there was a comment from Nayar. How, why mm. can Klopp get results with kids? You know, Klopp's been at Liverpool since 2016. His kids are better. His was, kids was are better than them already. Yeah, look, look I, I'm a big advocate of kids. And again, we've done that show before where we say, play the kids, play the kids, play the kids. But I do think like today, you pay Kambuala. He's a kid. You pay Forson. He's a kid. You pay Manu. You play Garnacho. You've got four kids out there. <laughs> you can't really play any more than that. You could bring others in, but you really wouldn't want to. And I think the thing is with Klopp is that Klopp's system means that he's more interested in what the player does in the system rather than the age or, the, or any of that. He's, he's more profile manager. And I think Eric Ten Hag wants to be that kind of coach. You think that's why you saw Forson come on today. Let's be honest. It's all about if your if your kids are good enough. I think that's that's really important. And United have got some good young players, but for this level, this this maybe isn't the game that you'd want to do it in. And Woods Woods Liverpool Liverpool play Bradley in certain games. You know, you'd either go from fullback into midfield, and there's there's upside to some of their players. But I don't think United have got the depth of that stock like ready just to roll out in a game like this today in a derby. Yeah, we'll see how Liverpool's kids do unless uh, all of their players are magically recovered for next week's game against City. I mean, do that you think Liverpool's nice. kids would go get in a result against City? No. It was a mir miracle they did it against Chelsea. And that's because yeah. Chelsea were awful in that extra time period. Anyway, there's a Chelsea comment I wanted to get... 
yeah, there's a comment I wanted to get to from Vincent. Mm. If you're still here, mate, just uh, drop another comment back to us because uh, I'm curious for your opinion. I'm guessing you're an Ajax fan. The type of players Ten Hag works with now is opposite of what he worked with at Ajax, but fire yeah. him and bring him back to us, please. There you go. Now, that's interesting to see an Ajax fan say that. A presume, presumably Ajax fan, given he's used the term uh, us yeah. there. So if you can get back to us with uh, what you think of Eric Ten Hag, uh, I'd be quite interested to know. I agree with but, the comment, um, though. I agree yeah. with the comment stylistically, because I, I think this is it. Is that Ajax, the idea is to ball retention, keep the ball, play through the midfield. They also teach that from then from when they're seven years old. like From the academy, <laughs> yeah. from the academy. But also it's more, Scott, that you buy players for that profile. So that's why your squad can do what you want it to do. And I think the thing with Man United is that it's been rough shot that so you've bought players who just do loads of different stuff and doesn't really gel together. Ironically, you know, you know Martinez isn't there, former Ajax player. Anthony is there, former Ajax player. Like we have got a few players there. Donny van der Beek got long gone Ajax player and a very successful one in the period that he was there. So... I think it's a perfect circle. But I think Eric Ten Hag would want to play more possession football, but he's got to find answers. And that's really, I think, where I am with a lot of it, with the with the development of the squad and the style of play. A lot of the players, as like I've said this before, a lot of the players that are still there, and I'm looking at the lineup now, a fair chunk, a big chunk of them were playing counter-attack football under Ollie. Yeah. And, and that's all they were doing. And that's all they were doing. Yeah. So asking asking them to be able to, you know, take the ball under pressure and sustain a press and play out of a press and dominate territory and this kind of thing. Yeah, you're not really getting it with these players. No, not gonna. Well, you know, I mentioned Bruno and McTominay at the, at the top of the show, and I talked about their position, how I liked kind of the four three three, and how they kind of dovetailed together at the top end to look after the centre-backs. There's two ways of looking at that, Scott. One, that system kind of helps them and suits them. But the second side of it is this, is that the reason why I want them there is because I don't want them there and I'm pointing behind me. I don't want them in the midfield receiving the ball to feet because they've proved a thousand times over that they can't play that style of football. So don't do it. And, and I think we still carry on with that. Bruno gets the ball in the edge of our box. And we're expecting him to be a ball-playing midfielder. Scott McTominay gets the ball to feet in the middle of the pitch. And we're like, make the right pass, Scotty. They're both better closer to the opposition goal with another like eight, nine men behind them. So that's a problem, isn't it, for the manager? Because you have to, again, find solutions. But I don't want these players there, Scott. They're not good enough to do that role. At Ajax is a holistic system. They all play the same way from when they're 10 years old upwards. And every player they buy in is all about technique. And let's be honest, this Man United team, it really lacks technique. There's just not enough technical players to play a style of football that, that I think is competitive with a team like Man City. Right, let's talk about Eric then, uh, yeah. because let's look at the big picture here. I will tell you what it is now. Man United are sixth in the Premier League. They have played one game more than Tottenham, and they're six mm. points back. Top five potentially gets Champions League. Aston Villa. United won at Aston Villa a couple of weeks ago. And then obviously Villa won their other two games. United have lost theirs. So that gap that we were fearful could have been created at that time has now been created because United won the game with Villa directly and then failed to follow it up. But just the basis of that, Rob, United are in position for sixth at the moment. 
Uh, I think we all expected or hoped for United to get Champions League this season and for football to be played more along the lines of what we were expecting from Ten Hag's Ajax team, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So where do we stand with Eric at the moment? Because I, like like we said earlier in the show, I don't think today is the, the day to look at Ten Hag's style of play and think, you ain't got it, mate. Uh, I think there's a lot of circumstances with the injuries that he's got and the fact that City are just so much better than United at the moment. Like I've seen people say charges, etc. And obviously there's other there's other circumstances, yes. Um, but the fact of the matter is City on the surface have done have made so many good decisions through the entire football club over the past decade that the reason why they are where they are is because, and Pep said this the other day as well, it's not just me. It wasn't just me who did all this. Mm. Uh, and yeah, he's right. But yeah, people still think that the Man United manager should come in and fix it all. So what do you think? What's your take at the moment? There's 12 games left plus the FA Cup. What does he need to do, Rob, in your eyes? Uh, do you know what? I think today, had he gone to Man City... Done his normal 4 1 4 1 pantomime, which we've seen every week forever, and you lost this game 5 0. Then my kind of comments would have had a different tone to them. And, and I, I'll be honest, Scott, kind of thought that's what it would be. I thought we would lose today, and I thought he would play his systems and the systems he's been playing. And to see the, the lineup and kind of go, oh, this might be 4 3 3, this might well be a false nine, we might be seeing something a little bit different. I was happy with that and i was thinking i hope we don't get stuffed because if we get stuffed playing 4-3-3 it's a bit like ole ole used to play 4-3-3 we'd lose 5-0 and he'd never play it again and that was a problem he didn't like it and i understand why i think with eric is that i'm going to frame this in a way that i have previously is that if you are ineos and you are sir jim ratcliffe i'm sure they've had some really positive constructive talks with the manager and i think they probably told the manager that you're time as technical director is over and your time as coach is now and we want you to coach these players and get results and they they will keep it very very basic dan ashworth will come in and dan ashworth will run the rule even if he's on gardening leave he'll look at it he'll make choices is eric ten hag safe well no because as i said this year even with all the injuries and they have been horrific for him i'd not entirely convinced that every week he's squeezed the life out of the squad. And I just thought about Jurgen Klopp a minute ago. Jurgen Klopp goes, wins a trophy with kids, you know, and that's the miracle of management is that you make that choice. And if you, if you win, people pat you on the back and go, you're amazing. But if you make other choices and you don't win, you will be criticized. So I think Verick is that he's had a limited palette to work with this year but he hasn't really put anything on the canvas that makes me think, oh, that's beautiful. That's that's a step forward. Well done, manager. I like Eric Ten Hag. I always have. I wanted him at the football club from Ajax. I still believe in him, but I'm also not a fool. And that is that if you don't do the technical, tactical stuff and get your team right and play in the right way week after week and have systems, the director of football will come in, the technical director, and he will look at you, he will blame you, and you will get paid up and you'll be off back to Holland. And that will be it. That will be the over, and you'll have a new coach. You'll have Graham Potter, you'll have Deserby, you'll have someone else. It will just be a new thing again. 
they won't have the same issues that Eric Ten Hag has had. They will have more support. They'll probably have a proper strategy in terms of transfers because the football club is changing on that. So with Eric, I, I have sympathies with him, Scott. But at the same time, I'm, I've been at all the games and there's been a lot of games where I thought, you know, it could have just been more sound in their technique and the tactics and they just haven't been. And But today wasn't that day. Today, I thought United did what they had to do to try and get a result. Some big games coming up now, Scott. You know, rest of the end of the season. If you get top five, you might be able to say the season's just been a success because you got Champions League just. I think we'll also remember a lot of these horrible performances. We'll remember, Scott, that what are we in now? 3rd of March, Manchester United have a goal difference of a big fat zero. That tells it's me minus, enough. It's minus two, Rob. It was minus two because we lost today, <laughs> of course. So we're minus two. And that really means that you're about the 12th, 13th, 14th best team in the league. Being honest, in, in terms of goal difference, I think we're the only team with a negative in the, in the top 10. I think it might be one other. Um, I think Brighton, not particularly high. I think they're plus three or something this year. So that's where you are. And, and, and it's an honest take on your team. And you have to decide whether you want this guy to go forward next season with the same players because you'll have to sell some, but you'll also have to buy some. And you're going to have to have a philosophy, I think, of how you want to play. And Eric's philosophy hasn't come off in two years, being completely honest. I think he's done all right. He won a trophy last year. He got Champions League. But look at the way you were in the Champions League this year, Scott. You were in every one of those games and you couldn't manage it. You were in every one and you think you led four of those six Champions League games. You got knocked out. So that's a stain. You know, you could you could say that there was an injury or this didn't work or that didn't work. You still got to manage the game. And, and I'm not quite sure he's done that consistently this year. As far back as the post-Solskjaer-Ralph Rannick era, I thought mm. that these players are not fit to play the type of football that everybody wants them to play. Yeah, Ralph Rannick himself said it. He said, yeah. open heart surgery. That's still not happened, everyone. That's still mm. not happened. I know they shipped out a few players, but the players they need to ship out ain't gone yet. And... You can look at Nayar says Rob Ten Hag signings have been shocking too. Anthony Mount and Nana, yeah, probably. Not been great. Yeah. They've, they've not been great. I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with that. They shouldn't have overpaid for Anthony, but I don't think Eric Ten Hag was sat there saying or in the negotiation room saying, "I'm going to pay 86 million for Anthony." Yeah, it's Richard Arnold's fault. That's this is why I keep saying it's Ten Richard Arnold's fault. fault. Yeah, and any he, any sane football club would not make that decision. So it's maybe the manager, any manager, will want the players that they want, right? But there should be a committee decision, <laughs> you know. And sometimes managers should be, or, yeah, or a plan. Have a sometimes, plan. <laughs> sometimes the club should say, "Nah, we're going to get this guy instead because yeah. he's cheaper and he maybe fits the style of play we want to play a little bit yeah. more." Yeah. Take Mohamed Salah versus Julian Brandt at Liverpool. Perfect example. Like perfect. Example. Top didn't want Mo Salah. He no. wanted Julian Brandt. No. Liverpool signed Mo Salah because Michael Edwards was part of that party that said, hey, we should get Mo Salah instead. They paid it, and he's been one of the best players in the Premier League for years. Doku today. Doku's played. I don't think he's very the, good. But, it, but yeah. Well, he played Scott, though, and I think he's actually had, at the start of the season, he was better than he is at the moment. But again, it's just an example of, of your squad, squad building. Um, you have to go, go into the market. There's no way that Pep Guardiola was going... 
No, Trixie Bergerestein is this lad, Julian Alvarez, I saw last year. Go buy him for 40 million. That wasn't him. That's City that go and do that. It's the club. So this is what we need more of at our football club, is to have a coach that doesn't have to think about this stuff. And I do think as well, uh, Scott, that maybe Eric has been overloaded by that in terms of the pressure, is that if you haven't got time just to work on systems and work on training, then things do get muddled. And I think we've seen that at Man United for 10 years, is that some very good coaches have put out some really poorly tactical, you know, executing teams who haven't been able to do it. And I think that's why Ole kept it simple and played 4-2-3-1 and tried to play that way every week. I think Eric, you've seen this year, is a tactical coach, but he's not showing it because he hasn't got the parts to be able to, to do it. But unfortunately... No one cares about that at the end of the day, which about winning and losing about an acceptable level, even when you've got injuries. So I think that's where that's the story of Eric Ten Hag for me is that he, he I'm sure he'd go somewhere else if he wasn't at Man United and be successful. I don't Watch think him he's go a Borussia Dortmund in the summer and play really Yeah, nice he's football. not a bad coach. And and not this, this is the problem. Whenever you have a coach that fails, is that quite often it's just because results have gone south for whatever reason and we blame them and that they do have to harbour some of the blame but you know I don't think today Eric, Eric Ten Hag you know in his first season at Old Trafford he beats Pep Guardiola the greatest coach of all time the team that like last year won the treble you know, do you know what I mean so there are ways and I think tactically today he did get it right and that's why I'm like don't want to, not trying to defend those tactics I'm saying those tactics were the correct ones do I want to see it Every week? No, of course not. But there are times where you have to change it. And that's what I worry about, is that he hasn't embedded that into the team, like different systems and different ways of playing. But I agree with you, like most of our players, being honest, they're rubbish. A lot of them are garbage. And, and they wouldn't be in any other top five, top six team. It's just that you're stuck with a lot of them. Talk about Lindelof. Would Lindelof be in any of the top six teams? No, Johnny Evans wouldn't probably be in a starting team in the Premier League. Like, but he's in our team because that's all you got. Um, just the truth. And and that's something I think that Ineos will be truthful about, Scott. I think they'll look in the mirror and they'll say, okay, if we don't want to stick with Eric Ten Hag when we'll bring in a new coach, but we're also going to bring in new players for that coach and we're going to kind of do it the right way. Red Devil TV says this manager wasted the good part of 400 million. Ignoring the point that we're making over and over again. Yeah. The manager should not be signing the players. I understand <laughs> why people feel that because I think people want everything to be binary and not multicolored not. and not multifaceted. And the thing is with football is football is the most multifaceted sport you could get because there's so many things that contribute towards winning, but also so many things that contribute towards losing. And I think Man United have just been playing with that balance forever. And they, that's why we're a bad football team. Let's be honest, we're not a good football team. We've not been a good football club. And that's why you suffer what, what happens today. Like, you shouldn't be going there thinking about your XG. You've got to just try and get results somehow. You've got to do something. And, you know, in the future, yeah, you might be able to go and say, right, we want an XG of 1.6 every game on average now because we want to be able to go and win football matches. Well, I don't know. I don't think Man United are anywhere near any of that yet. I think next year you might get closer. Certainly at the moment, you are a... You're a fragmented entity and you're not really worthy of that. Look at that badge I'm holding there. It's not really a Man United squad, is it? It's a squad full of players that just so happen to get paid by Man United. And I think quite a few of them, Scott, won't be there next season. Yep, yeah, Ten Hag has to, you know, he's got 12 games left in the Premier League. Maybe he gets some more. I think he will. He's got the FA Cup as well, Liverpool in the FA Cup. And obviously... 
He's got some big games coming. He's got Liverpool to come at Old Trafford twice. He's got Arsenal to come at Old Trafford, second mm. last game of the season. They've got trips to Brentford and Chelsea coming up after the international break. There's some big matches to come. And, you know, he's got to start getting results, really. I think United have to get in the top five. But maybe all the circumstances outside of what you see on the pitch, maybe they do play some bearing. Ultimately, I think that he has to show more than he is showing currently for Ineos to think that he's the best person to stick with. And that's just the way it is. Football's football's about results at the end of the day. But we'll see. And like I said... Like I said a few times on this show, I don't think this is the day to get on Eric Ten Hag's back. No. This, this no. isn't the day because if they'd have lost six-one playing open as they did at Fulham against Fulham last week, fine. But he tried to change it up today, and I think that for a large part of the game, I thought United were in it, even though they defended on the edge of their own box. You know, yeah, and, and that's just what you have to do sometimes. It's what you have to do. I think one of the comments here I've just seen here is that, you know, I'm hearing everything here that it's everyone's fault except Eric Ten Hag's. Not at all. I'm actually the other way. I think that he's been dealt a bad lot this season, but I do blame him for a lot of the stuff. Like, I, I think his job is to put teams out, train them, give them tactics and give them instructions. And I think I said to you, Scott, a few weeks or months ago that one of the things that worries me is that I don't always feel that Man United prepared. Like, going to watch games and I'm like, this lot aren't prepared to play this team this week for whatever reason and I think that's on Eric and I think that's again where a technical director would look at that and kind of go okay that's on the manager I think that's probably why he will pay for it with his job I still I'm still leaning towards that Scott I know you've obviously said for Tenard to stay and that's your opinion I agree with that but I also think that 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 Ineos will look at it and they'll be ruthless as they should be like they'll be ruthless and they'll go we've got someone else that we like and we're just going to go that route because you know, we don't want to give this manager another year because we don't know him or we don't like him or we don't like the football. Today, I think I don't think Jim Radcliffe's watched today and gone, oh, I'm gutted with how the team played. I think they'll probably look at it as a positive that United almost dug out a result because for a long time it was, you know, 1-0 and 1-1. You could have got something out of this. In years gone by, Scott, you could have dug in even further at 1-1 and really got regressive. Just get everyone back and just hit everything long and do that, and they didn't. They just kind of went back to type for a little bit towards the end of the game. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I don't think today is the day to really judge anyone. Right, we'll wrap it up there. That has been hopefully some catharsis for some people who are looking for non-over-the-top viral reactions i'm sure you'll see you need to cry scott i want you to cry on camera yeah i need i need to like i need to do this yeah um bash my desk and you know shut down the camera lens so we'll we'll get a clip of it we'll get on this manager is the worst i've ever seen in my life or do the opposite do the opposite say i'm in love with eric ten Hag. you know i love him and do it like that and go that that, go down that route (laughs) (laughs) don't get too Uh, high don't get too low it really it, it can it can feel low can't it quite often at man united but yeah i think you've got to feel good haven't you that you've got a new set of owners or a new 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 sporting institution behind your football club i think that is that's the big takeaway for me at the moment that's what i'm holding on to right wrapping it up there that is it from the promise Iron podcast today we'll be back later this week united play against everton Next on Saturday, the early kickoff, I believe. Yeah, I don't but, know uh, that game. 
Yeah, you never do. I don't like that game. (laughs) That's the kind of game I'm more worried about. I was more worried about games like that than I am City. Because United will go, oh, look, it's Everton. We can play against Everton. Watch us play 4-1-4-1 against this lot. And Everton will sit in, they'll defend, they'll defend, they'll hit on a counter-attack, you lose. So I'm a little bit worried about that game. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And like, like this video as well, the YouTube live stream. Uh, we, we do these relatively frequently, but yeah, please join us and thanks for watching uh, the whole time that you have been, if you stuck with us as well. You can also catch this episode soon on audio on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give that a five-star review when it's up. Uh, like this video, subscribe to the podcast on any of those platforms, leave a comment for us as well, and we'll do our very best to uh, to get through them at some point. And uh, thanks for your comments and engagements on the live stream today as well. Hit the notification bell too so you never miss a show. And follow us on social at double underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at TPL MUFC United have lost the Manchester Derby. They are... There, there's a lot to do. There's a lot of work to do. But United have another few days off now to prepare for Everton from Rob and from myself, Scott. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, this has been... The Promised Land Podcast. See you soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.